Hello, and welcome back to the Real Professional Podcast's Dread X Collection Collection. The collection of episodes where we talk about the Dread X Collection. This is the second installment of the Dread X Collection Collection. This is for Volume 2 of the Dread X Collection. This is our third episode of that batch. If that gets too confusing, don't worry about it. There's, like, numbers in the podcast list. You probably knew what you were clicking on, unless, uh... You're just listening to the, the soothing sounds of my voice as you fall asleep, in which case, it doesn't really matter which one this is. Just let me lull you to sleep with my ASMR skills. Um, and then random outbursts whenever I get excited about something that'll wake you right back up. Um, but yeah, today we got a good one. Uh, we are talking to uh, Joseph Hunter, a.k.a. Akabaka, a.k.a. Chromatos Dev, about the game that he made for the DreadX collection called Sucker for Love. It's a Lovecraftian anime style visual novel dating sim thing it's it's fucking great so uh if you like cthulhu if you like uh j stuff i'm just gonna do j dash stuff then uh this is the episode for you so uh why don't you just sit back and enjoy and uh dj why don't you drop that sick beat Joseph, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Ted. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And of course, we are, uh, we are joined by uh, Jesse over here. Say hi, Jesse. Hi, Jesse. And uh, as as <laughs> always, we got Star. How are you doing, Star? <laughs> Sorry. I'm, so, I'm laughing at that Animaniacs joke. <laughs> that was like old school Looney Tunes right there. Oh, yeah. yeah, he does that a lot. Um, this is that's his normal way of introducing himself. I was actually, actually like I was like, say hi, Jesse. I knew he was going to be like, hi, Jesse. <laughs> i'm star by the way hello hello star welcome back um so uh we are coming close to uh closer and closer as every day goes by to the release of the uh dread x collection volume two and i have to say um this is behind closed doors and, and star can verify I, I never lie about these kinds of things but behind closed doors they're like which which game are you personally most excited for uh people to get their hands on and of course, I love all my children equally, but I personally think that Sucker for Love is going to be the one that makes uh, the biggest splash because I, I just think it's fucking awesome. It is awesome. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> Star, back me up. I really do say that. <laughs> we had a meeting like 30 minutes ago where I said that to like the owner of the company. Come on. <laughs> back me up, Star. You were there. Yep, that's true. It is true. I did do I that. Mean, are you excited? Yeah, I, I cannot wait for all the articles to be coming out saying like like with like clickbaity titles being like my girlfriend can't be this most crackish Cthulhu for <laughs> 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 you know like like um I'll I'll probably be the first to admit that this is kind of a it, it kind of lends itself to being really viral <laughs> like you know yeah. dating a dating a really Cthulhu presenting Cthulhu girl is like uh, I'm definitely definitely going to be seeing a lot of a lot of thumbnails with people making surprise faces. <laughs> I love that phrase, yeah. C- Cthulhu presenting. <laughs> she, she's so oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that's just a well. So 
that's like one of my self-imposed rules that I had for this um, for this dev cycle is that if I was going into making this like Lovecraftian like dating simulator, is that I didn't really want to be a coward with the character design and make her you know just be like a cutesy anime girl and I like, say she's Lovecraftian, but I wanted to make her so that if you look at her and knew, not, knew, uh, knew nothing about what Cthulhu looked like, that you'd be able to tell what the monster that she's based on looks like just by looking at her. And so that's like why she's got tentacles on her face, the big black tenderly wings, so on and so forth. So um, yeah, I, 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 it was really important to me for this character design that I made her really look like like a monster monster girl as opposed to just a you know generic anime girl. No, and I, I think it, it really translated because I think that the, the coward's approach would be to have <laughs> a normal anime girl with like a, a like a Lovecraftian locket, you know, and like oh, that's how you know that yeah. she's the, yeah, the exactly. edgy one. Uh, like th- there's so many, uh, there, there's such like a stock stock uh, standard a- way to present anime characters that I, I personally get kind of tired of. And I'm not. I actually I really shouldn't just say anime characters because I think that um, anyone looking at like female character design in general, or even male character design, gets very, very tired of seeing, like, oh, this is the same trope of badass action. This is what the badass looks like. This is what the nerd looks like. This is what the coward... Like, the you know, it's, it's always, like, kind of the same kind of character um, archetypes. Right, exactly. I didn't want to make it, uh, like, either too easy on me either. Like, I wanted to... Uh, if, I, if I did my job as I wanted to, then by the end of this uh, game, when it's out, there will be two parties... One is people that are really hot for Lynetta, the name of the character girl, and uh, the other half are just utterly repulsed by her. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which I think is, uh, you know, what you're going to normally run into when you make... Oh, I don't know. I I always feel weird about people on the internet judging the attractiveness of characters, like, like seriously judging it. It's It's like one thing to be like, oh, you know, you made a character. But, like, I don't know, people... It's kind of, we, we had this debate, uh, Star, was it last week or the week before we were talking about people making comments about, like, the bodies of, of female characters? We were talking about Last of Us too. I don't remember. I just feel like you talk about it a lot. Like, it's a, it's a big concern for you. Me? Uh, and, and, well, that, yeah, because it's something that I think you genuinely are passionate about is, like, <laughs> like how females are portrayed in the media in general. Yeah. Um. Because it's something that people just can't let go, especially when we have that gamer girl game that came around. And right. I, somebody on Facebook attacked me, and I'm over the gamer girl thing. And I'm just like, like this. It's like I'm like, listen, I've been a Twitch partner for years. I know what she's going through, and the fact that it's a story about controlling this girl and like and like making her go through like bad things I, I like she's losing her power and you're controlling her it's it's very creepy well let's, let's start why don't you back up for a second actually for the people yeah. that don't know because i don't even know if you can find the trailer anymore anywhere why don't you explain <laughs> real quick what gamer girl is me yeah yeah okay so it's an fmv which is like you know like a video you know actual like video where uh you know a real woman is sitting down an actress and playing a character of being a twitch streamer or I should just say streamer. <laughs> and she is also happens to be a cam girl because there is female streamers that are not sexy, but of course, in this particular one, she had to be sexy. And at first I was like, okay, 
this is fine. But then as the trailer goes on, like basically it's a control her every move. And like, you get to see that she has a mod and she's a female friend and she's like dancing in the club and then something scary happens to her. And so it's like, basically this girl has no agency of herself. Like she's basically a doll that you're there to like put things on her story-wise and also the the name gamer girl is very derogatory like uh <laughs> it's not something i want to be called personally it, it's something that we should like it's kind of old hat and people who don't under who people who don't play video games and don't understand like game culture doesn't really they don't really say gamer girl anymore and plus the 80s like synth wave like how they did the title sequence and that sort of thing i thought was really strange so everything put together it was just like, very uh distasteful yeah, and I think that... Did you, hey, sorry, sorry, did, you say, did you say simp wave? Because <laughs> that's what yeah. I heard. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, Jesse, you just you just found a new genre of music, right? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, um, very similar to I'm getting the vapors wave. No, no, no. You, you were like, you said that there's something called incel core. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. I thought that was. <laughs> I thought you were just making a joke at my. Expense. Although I do, I do really like the "I'm getting the vapors" wave. That was really good. Um, yeah, Incel Core is. I mean, I've only seen like a couple songs because obviously it was just people making you know fucking roasting these losers. Uh, it's just metal where people are talking about how much uh, you know they hate women and how much women hate them. And uh, I found this this comment, the, this YouTube comment, and it was like, uh, this song goes so hard, much love from Kazakhstan, I hate women so much, it's unreal. And I saw that, and I was like, laughed and took tears streaming <laughs> down my face because it was so ridiculous. Yeah. But, I mean, it is also like a reminder that these uh, deranged Ellie Rogers people are out there, and... Uh, they're trying to get themselves heard by making generic uh, metal music. Yeah. Is, uh, disturbing, but also, you know, you got to laugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, Star, you do bring up a good point, which is that I do talk about this a lot. I, I, and I think that that's probably not necessarily the best thing, but uh, it is hard to be online and, like, to look at something and just anticipate how people are going to react to it. Like you as a marketing person definitely understand that. Yep. Absolutely. And you know what, the, the thing that really makes me upset about this too, is like literally there is a streamer called Sweet Anita. She has like a million followers on Twitch and she literally had a guy that had a knife that came towards her and uh, he ended up not being able to hurt her. He wanted to. And then obviously she tried to do everything she could talk to the police, that sort of thing. And he said that I'm, you know, next time I'm going to actually kill you. Like it was like real, like he was directly saying, I'm going to kill you. I am stalking you. And the police are, are doing absolutely nothing. And this is happening right now to her. And so like making a game that's basically making fun of like people like her, like uh, there's this other streamer named Meg Turney and she had a boyfriend and she found out somebody broke into her house while her and her boyfriend there. So they hid in the closet while the guy went through the house and they called the police and as the police were coming in, which it took about 10 minutes, he had killed himself in their house. Like, these are real, like, scary stories of people, yeah. of female streamers and male streamers that get stalked and hurt. And, like, this guy on Facebook is just like, 
um, we should bring awareness to this. I'm like, this is not awareness. This is a cash grab. And there's like right. definitely a difference there. Yeah, so Storm makes a really good point yeah. there. And um, in addition to, to making light of a really uh, serious problem that female streamers have, it also kind of um, sensationalizes trauma mm -hmm. for, um, you know, for marketing game. You know, like, it's... <sighs> Like like people that take say that, that that make profit off of say taking like accident footage or people that you know interview people that have just you know been in the middle of some tragedy you know it, it it's 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 always tasteless when it happens it it, it would it, it's basically what I started with just that it, it's 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 um, profiting off of sensationalizing actual real trauma that people experience and so it's kind of disingenuine. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, you hit on something really, really good there, which is that um, there's a difference between trying to create a story to amplify a problem versus uh, trying to profit off of a well-known issue. Yeah. There's a really um, good show that I've watched only because I'm 400 years old called Rescue Me, and it's about uh, firefighters in New York. And um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a character in the show, I think this is like season five or whatever, um, that he uh, becomes like a 9-11 truther. And it's, it's, a really, like, it's a really deep cut for the show to have that guy be in that position in that show because he's a firefighter in New York that like was, as the character in the show, like was there working like at the time of 9-11. And um, the, the most poignant part of that show is where one of the wives whose her husband died in the, in the collapse of the towers, uh, she says to him, don't, let my like look i mean look at anything you want but don't let my tragedy become your hobby you know and yeah. i think that that's really poignant yeah i've heard other people say that it's like it's entertainment for some people and then it's like triggering people like marginalized folks actually have to go through this situation it's not entertainment to us yeah right and it, it feels like um so it, it feels a lot like being an animal in a zoo when you're a victim of a specific type of trauma and then people, you know, put it in a game or put it in a trailer to make money. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's hard too, because there's, there's the compulsion to say something and do something whenever something's happening. Um, but we also like, How's the way I want to put this? Games are still young in in terms of being like a medium and an art form and such, and like the the, the none of us exist in a vacuum. Like we all like to imagine ourselves as like creatives that are like coming up with something truly unique and beautiful out of the blue, and like you know it's just a, the spawn of our own. But like we're we're all influenced by like what people came before us, the engines that we use to create things, the tools that we have at our disposal. You know, none of us exist. Like like who's the last? filmmaker that like invented a camera to go make a movie with you know like that doesn't happen like and the way that we we create and interact with the world around us like is based on what others before us have done and and so we basically we're constantly building the canon and the maturity of the medium that we exist in and um you know while films have come long far enough to figure out how to tastefully tackle you know films when they first came out were like you know fun things but like imagine like, imagine if they tried to make the game version of Schindler's List. Like, the video game version of Schindler's oh, List. Oh, God. Right. But film had to get to a point where they could make Schindler's List 
which was commercially profitable, wildly acclaimed, and respectful. Whereas mm -hmm. if a game were to come out that was like, hey, you're playing as a, a, a member of the concentration camps trying to get out during the Holocaust, like, or you play as the runner of a concentration camp, like, the only game that can really do that is that, well, there's the genre, oh, oh God, what's the guy, the, the lady's name? I, I feel bad that I don't remember, but uh, the John Romero's wife, the one that made the train game. Brenda Romero? There we go. Sorry about that. I, I just, like, I couldn't remember off the top of my head. But uh, it was, like, the train game where you find out halfway through that, like, you're transporting prisoners to concentration camps. Like, you know, and that was a board game, and that was very edgy, but, like, there's... The only way that she could deliver that package to the world was in very controlled environments. Like, she couldn't just, like, release it public because, like, the... the Far outside of her control, the cultural, like, discussion of games and the the audience like just isn't necessarily i don't know if they're not necessarily ready or there's just a different way that we have to do it but um and i think that as a result there's a lot of uh of friction with what we create and how it's perceived because like you know you can have um like an anime or something that's very well received and like very like do any of the full metal alchemist games stack up to the to the show no, but I like I think uh, where you're trying to get at, it, you know, because I do marketing is it's all about context. And I, I told them I was like, I would be OK with this game if that it was like Elle Woods, because like Elle Woods from like Legally Blonde. I, I hope you guys have seen it. Like, she's pretty sexy. You know, she's like that typical blonde bimbo stereotype on purpose. And she is very like physically attractive and everyone comments on it throughout the thing. And she even wears like bikinis and talks about being in hot tubs and stuff like that. Like, but at the same time, she has her own power. She has her own strength and it's coming from her and it's not like being pushed onto her. And I think with Schindler's List, it's also like, I, I was talking to this about Patrick earlier. I was like, if we, uh, who's help, you know, I don't know if I should explain who he is. You can go yeah. explain who Patrick is. He's, he, he would like that. Patrick is the the person that funds dread xp we'll, we'll just say it like that <laughs> um, hangs out uh next to a big easter island head and a pineapple <laughs> uh oh my god jesse um so yeah i was basically saying i was just like if we oh because patrick star from spongebob yes <laughs> okay i got it got it sorry yeah. not to interrupt i just wanted to let everyone know i got the joke it's important yeah i missed that one too <laughs> Jesse, I get you. I'm the only person here. We're, we're on you. the same vibration uh, level. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I told I told him I was like, if if we do an FMV, I want it to be art. It has to have context to it because other FMVs that have done well, um, we're not going to make Gamer Girl, but we could make something like that because we're associated with a film company. I'm not going to say which one, but we are. And we could make one. We have the resources to do this sort of thing. And it's something that would be pretty fun to do. But, like, I want to make sure that it's not just, like, a cheesy, you know, like, fun time like Night Trap, Night Trap was. But, like, I want it to be something that is, uh, you know, it could be a little bit corny, a little bit funny. But I want it to, in general, to be, like, art, like, and not necessarily have to have, like, an important message, but something that means something. So, uh, I'm sorry. I think... Uh, actually, could I, is it okay if I change topic? Because I have a question I want to ask. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I think that um, we we have uh, exhausted 
this topic. And if people want to hear uh, more about it, they can go ahead and just DM us directly. That's always a good idea. So go ahead, Star. Before we switch, okay, out, yeah. I was oh. going to say, uh, Ted, they could make a Auschwitz game, Auschwitz game, but uh, tone is really important. Um, mm -hmm. So if it was, it would have to be like this war of mine and not like Dungeon Keeper. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the most serious thing you've ever said. I was really, Jesse is over here is Jewish and he tends to be, makes, make jokes about it that get me in trouble because he finds it funny. Uh, so uh, I'm really glad you took that seriously, Jesse. I appreciate it. Yeah, like it is possible. Um, I mean, I was even thinking like, man, Outlast 3, but you're in like a concentration camp would legit be terrifying. Um, but obviously that's insane and nobody's ever going to make it. Well, and I think that if you were to make it, you would have to be, you know, I, like, I couldn't make that. Oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't touch it. Like, I, oh, my goodness, I saw this interview with Morgan Freeman. And this is like an old interview, I think, for like, from the 80s. And uh, the white guy interviewing him was just like, I think I could make a, a movie about race. And like, Morgan Freeman just stared at him and didn't say anything. And eventually, the guy just like realized, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that like... I can't. So Schindler, I mean, Steven Spielberg is Jewish. And so when he made Schindler's List, he was like, hey, I'm telling the story, like story of something that happened to my people. If I were to make Schindler's List, I'd be like, gosh, that would be a great setting for a movie, which is like not how you should be approaching the Holocaust. The same approach you took to uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, 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 you can't approach those two topics the same way. You're right. Anyone can make Jurassic Park. Not everyone can make Schindler's List is a good point. <laughs> That's true. Okay, sorry um, to keep us off topic. What were you going to ask, Star? Okay, so the one of the striking things about Akabaka or Joseph's game uh, is that it is just so polished. Like, and you understand marketability. You, un like, it's just like you, I don't know, it's kind of like the Quentin Tarantino effect where you are, you're your own audience and it feels like you're making a game that you would want to play yourself. And like, I just want to know, like, where does that come from? I'm surprised you actually like zeroed in on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, both Chromatos and Soccer for Loves are games designed, you know, 90% for me. And if other people like them, then, <laughs> then, then that's good. No, I'm joking. But um, uh, I think that the, um, the polish itself just comes out of a kind of like an OCD place that I kind of want, you know, I don't want people to get distracted from what I'm trying to, show them because of some small detail here or some small detail there um uh, what was the what was the core of your question again um basically it's this uh, you understand marketability you understand I... what looks good and what like what is visually appealing and like I, i'm somebody who's run a lot of communities for a lot of game devs and it's very rare to see a developer who has such a strong sense of style like you do that's so polished and hasn't, like, I've, I haven't heard you, like, I don't know if you've worked at, like, a major studio before or called in solo. Aw. Well, yeah. thank you, Star. I appreciate that. That's very nice. Um, uh, I think it's, um, it came from the fact that the first two things that I learned in my game developing like repertoire is uh, the first one was storytelling. And then the second one was like art direction. So before I knew how to code or before I knew how to uh, do any sort of sound design, what I was before I was a game developer was a, was a, was a DM actually a dungeon master. 
<laughs> yeah, and and so before I was like making games with like sounds and code, um, I was the dungeon master for this kind of homebrew type deal where instead of like um, abilities and numbers and dice rolls, it was purely you made X decision, here's the consequences kind of role play. And to um, assist my players with understanding what a character was like or where they were, I did a lot of the art for that too. Mm. And so that I did for about five or seven years. So I, I had had a lot of time to practice storytelling, um, telling a story to a player, making art for a player, and then having it look um, in a, in a, in a, having it look good enough to kind of work in this positive feedback loop with the gameplay loop. And um, I, I think the reason that maybe my games are fairly polished is because it's the, the art and the story are the two, say, skills that I've been developing for the longest. How do you think most developers approach game development compared to you? Um, I think I have a uh, disproportionate focus on story and characters. Mm. Like, if you boot up a game, like, if you picked a game at random, the chances that it's a game that features, like, character characters is actually fairly low. When you think about it, like, game yeah. development, you know, there's, like, you know, you can you can, you can can make, play all sorts of games without ever seeing a character or a story. Like, if, like a match three, a match four, uh, a town simulator... Um, so on and so forth. You, it, it's, it's when I start development, I don't start with what's the game, what's the gameplay loop. I mainly start with what's the story. And once I have the story, it's like, all right, now who's the worst characters possible to have in the story? And then I put them in because <laughs> that creates a conflict and it creates, uh, it creates situations that haven't really been done as much before. So it's very narrative driven as opposed to like mechanical right right okay. the 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 um the mechanics are kind of the afterthought where I, I come up with the story and i come up with the characters and i think okay now what sort of uh gameplay mechanics enhance the story and i think that that comes across a lot in um that design ethos comes across a lot in uh chromatos because uh when i played chromatos so i played i got to play i actually met you at dream hack like which i randomly went to because um, it was like before or after PAX East. I can't remember. It was one of those two. And, um, I think it was right before, um, or right after it was like a, within a week of PAX East and, uh, right, it was a week before a week before. Right. So I was mostly doing it to, uh, uh, test a lot of the, the camera equipment, which unfortunately, uh, we lost all, all the audio from uh, that. So it was good that I went to test it out. <laughs> um, but uh, I met I met you and I played Chromatos and Chromatos is like a visual novel slash DDR card game thing, and uh, <laughs> basically it's it's a rhythm game where you fight monsters by uh, very very quick reflex, kind of throwing these cards at it and it's it's very simple, but it takes a second to wrap your brain around the mechanics and how they work. But once you do, it's like very rapid fire, very kind of easy to comprehend and very fun. Um, and uh, but that's that's a really good example is because you wouldn't expect uh, this this kind of gameplay to be within that style of game. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good example of me uh, gameplay mechanics that feed back into the story. The story is all about you know going through this coma world that you and ten strangers are trapped in, 
and helping them through their problems. And everyone's got their own sort of struggle that's tied to a very um, uh, specific personality trait. Like one character is um, too reckless. They don't take time to, uh, you know, think about things and, you know, approach things with a level head. While another character is patient to the point of a fault where they're too inactive and they let things just happen to them. So these characters have um, these prominent traits that manifest in the cards that you collect when they rub off on you, when when their very expressed personality traits sort of influence the person that you are in the game. And this um, this ends up building the deck that you collect, which is sort of just the sum of your personality traits, so it's personalized to player. And this deck is what you use in combat while you're, you know, fighting all these internal demons. And so that's just the gameplay loop coming back to feed into the story of overcoming these personal flaws. I, I know that, like, as you're explaining this, stars, like, this sounds so cool. <laughs> I am, like, yeah, I'm really big in the DDR. I love anime. So basically, you're just hitting all the points. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really, really cool game. And I think that um, this is actually a very uh, common thing with the difference between uh, America, uh, Western and Eastern, or I'm just gonna say American versus Japanese game design. Um, although it's, it's, that's like a, you know, there's, it's, I guess, and I don't really want to say East versus West, because there's a lot of breakdown in that. But there's this, there's this, this, I'm just going to use the example of like Gears of War versus Yakuza, right? So in, yeah. in Gears of War, they're like, we are making a shooter. What are things that people would be doing why would people be shooting? Well, because they're angry and sad. So let's make a world that is angry and sad and make the whole world surrounding this idea of shooting guns that have chainsaws on them by, by men with biceps the size of my entire body. Like, that's that's power the... Fantasy. What? It's a power fantasy. Yeah, yeah, which, I mean, like, to be fair, like, it works because I, I play Gears of War and I'm like, yeah, like, I can't not because, like, I'm just like a bro. Like, I'm just like, yeah. But anyways. It's, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it is. I do. I do enjoy it. And, and, but um, that's that's like very Western uh, game design. It's like we're making a shooter. What's the story that we for a shooter? If you're making a rhythm game, it's like okay, what is the story of why would this person be making these rhythmic beats? Um, whereas Eastern game design or Japanese game design tends to be more like here's a story. Now let's make gameplay and do stuff that's fun. Like why would Kazuma Kiru and Yakuza be singing karaoke? Doesn't fucking matter because it's cool. <laughs> yeah. But like, also, cool. Yakuza is a really dark, sad world, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's interspliced with uh, moments where, you know, like a guy in his underwear is dancing and his name is like the walking boner. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It works really well. The, the contrast makes the, the darkness uh, pop that much more. Yeah, no, that's something that I notice a lot of Eastern games and something that I've <clears throat> kind of taken to heart and put in most of my games, too, is where you have the premise be really grim, dark. Then you have the actually like day to day gameplay be really funny. It it creates this nice balance of serious enough that it feels like there's stakes and the player takes the game seriously and fun enough that they want to get through it. So my friend, uh, she works for Atlas, uh, like she works for the company that does PR for them, and so she's the one who controls the Atlas like uh, Western account on Twitter. So she basically makes all of the content and the posts for that. And uh, she's had, like, tremendous success because she loves Yakuza. So she's, like, really passionate about it, and she makes content. From her content, it's all, like, memes and all jokes. So if I was to just see her Twitter, like, page and how they present Yakuza, I would just think it's a comedy game. 
I would ab have absolutely no idea that I had all this like dark storyline. And I think that's really interesting that she chooses that approach and it works so well with people. I think that the best example of uh, this whole thing is the Fist of the North Star game. Oh my God. I thought you were going to say Catherine, but. Oh no. <laughs> that is my favorite game of all time. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I, I actually haven't played Catherine. Um, I, oh. I know, right. Uh, oh, they've sent me, they've sent me three different review copies of it, including like the one that comes in like a, like a pizza box, whatever. And I, I still haven't played it. They, they, they could come to the, my house and play it for me. And for some reason I would still just go, eh. like, I know yes. it's good. I've heard a lot of people recommend it. And every time I try to play it, I'm like, Meh. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just broken. Ted, send me the pizza box. I played like <clears throat> two hours and then I forgot to continue. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm even worse because I started and I was like, man, this is cool. Yeah, you all make me sick. I mean, I, I've heard it's really, really good. And I, I, I know that a lot of people swear by it, but uh, I just... I, I don't know. I, I, I just haven't. It's like it's like that one meme that's going around right now where it's like Billy from Billy and Manny saying, am I the only one who understands the intricacies of this masterpiece? <laughs> <laughs> am I the only one who understands the complexities of this ambitious cinematic masterpiece? This movie isn't stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> so, so yeah, Catherine is actually the inspiration for Chromatos and is my all-time, all-time end-all-be-all favorite game. Um, where's your where's your inspiration for Sucker for Love was Song of Saya. <laughs> uh, I have no idea where <laughs> where I pulled Lynetta or the rest of the <laughs> Sucker for Love premise from, but I think it was just 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 you gave me such a just a, such a good unusual prompt that I had to just launch into the weirdest thing possible. Yeah, and to where... be clear, the inspiration was not Song of Saya to the seven people out there that got that joke and are raising their eyebrows. No, no, that's that visual novel. Yeah, the the macabre one. Yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Yeah, I know the one I played through. That it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, but no, the prompt was Lovecrafting, which you know y'all have probably heard by now. And so when he when he uh, when he sort of pitched Lovecrafting to me, as in love crafting and Lovecraftian horror all rolled into one. I was like, right, so I don't know how to do crafting because I'm not a very strong programmer. But w what other things here include? love and items that can you know be used and made and stuff and that's like well dating sims do so i guess that's where i'm going and then that odd part out lovecraftian i was like uh date a cthulhu girl done <laughs> 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 and it, it kind of came out the best way possible yeah <laughs> it really did i i've really enjoyed playing it it's like um and like what star was saying is really true the level of polish is Pretty incredible like not even just with like your marketing materials and stuff but also like the fact that the little lips move when you're doing the incantations oh the yeah that's like super cool yeah yeah um that's mainly through um just experience while i'm doing while i'm doing chromatose um that's been in kind of in development for a couple years now so i've had a lot of uh experience with you know players telling me hey i didn't get this or i can't tell when this is happening and then when i watch other people playing the game you know, I'm watching them and I'm thinking, I can't tell what they're doing because my UI isn't as expressive enough. And so the lips moving thing was like, a, um, so the player, anyone that's in the stream and me watching them play can all tell that they're, you know, casting a spell at the moment. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's just a small quality of life player experience type of deal. Uh, when you played it, you got the simp ending, right? I got all of the endings. I, I've you since did? played through again, yeah. <laughs> but the simp ending was like the first one you got, or did you? No, the first you... one I got was, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but the first one I got uh-huh. was the one that's easiest to get. Oh, okay. <laughs> the reverse psychology ending. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that one. I thought that was really, really, really cool. But I like all these things you're saying. You're, you're rapidly becoming Star's favorite person. <laughs> yeah. You're hitting, because I also love Japanese games. Like, the, mm-hmm. I just love the design. I love how they feel. And um, I wish that more, like, Western devs would kind of kind of take that. But, like, mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, like, all of your main characters are men. Uh, if you were to make a game that had a female protagonist, what would it be like? I actually, <laughs> you, are you psychic or something? <laughs> you like hacked my desktop and you just found my next game idea or something. But my um my 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 next game actually is um well, well let me take a step back. Chromatos originally was going to be um, one of those games where you can pick if you're playing as a male presenting or female presenting uh, character. But along with like being able to pick your name, but I scrapped that kind of early on uh, just because that kind of subtracted from the character's depth. Like I felt like if you could, you know, make your character whatever they want and name them whatever you want, it kind of makes it feel less like it's a character that has already existed. It has likes, wants, uh, personality and a history and more like just a self-insert. And so in such a narrative driven game, I kind of scratched that feature early on. But um, the next game that I'm making is um, about, well, to be, to just to kind of do the elevator uh, pitch, is it's Valhalla, that um, cyberpunk bartending game. Y'all heard of it? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mixed with WarioWare. Oh. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm throwing my money at you. You can't see it, but. <laughs> right WarioWare is, is a good idea. Yeah, and so like Auschwitz, Auschwitz simulator mixed with WarioWare, still a good idea. <laughs> oh boy, the uh, I'm, that one. I'm not going to touch that one with a foot of the pole. But um, so the game is Good Morning Candyman, and it's it's a surreal um shop simulator where you're running a candy shop, and uh, the main character at the moment, his name is Reese, and she is a very um. She's, she's, she's another character that is really fun to not necessarily self-insert into, but is really fun to watch as you're playing her because she's, like, really money-grubbing and really business-oriented. And so, like, um, she, like many of the female characters I write, are super caricaturized to be, you know, so if you see any conversation involving them, you kind of, at a glance, get uh, what, what their personality is kind of like. And... Um, my rule with kind of any character that I make is that they always need to be um, entertaining, even if you hate them. <laughs> even if you hate the character, you need to be excited to see them on screen. And so um, uh, Reese is kind of this fun, business-driven, very um, uh, money-focused, funny character that you get to play through while you're playing the game. Mm. That does sound fun. Can I, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I asked so many questions. No, keep going. I love it. I love it. Okay. Go off queen. I also love Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We have so much in common. It's really weird. Uh, (laughs) What alignment do you play most? Uh, I'm, I'm boring. (laughs) 
I play like a, a half elf sorceress, you know, chaotic, like, I don't know, like the good characters and stuff like that. Um, like chaotic good, that's me too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay. Like my favorite character, like it's like a, from Hot Fuzz, <laughs> Sergeant Angel. <laughs> I like he's my favorite lawful good character of all time, and if I could mm-hmm. strive to be like him as a character, I would in D anD. d But he's very entertaining to me. Yeah, uh, no, I, I like playing entertaining characters in D anD. d too. In fact, I think, um, <laughs> I think I'm kind of the ire of any DM I play with because my character is always, if nothing else, played for laughs. Uh, yes. I, I had an orc wizard <laughs> Those were his for friends. starters, so the intelligence hit was hilarious. Um, but then I built him all wrong. So his name is an orc called Poof. You have to say the whole thing or I won't respond. <laughs> and His um, name is an orc called Poof? Yes. <laughs> like, like his whole name is an orc called Poof. Yes, and you have okay, to, got if, it. You just, if you just say Poof, I will, I'll just ignore you at the table. <laughs> Who? And um, although he was classed as a wizard, I built him as a barbarian. And so, like, instead of actually casting spells, he just beats people with his wand. Doesn't quite get it. Oh, I've always loved that idea of being, like, uh, a mage, but, like, like, playing as, like, a mage that doesn't actually have spells. And instead, you're just, like, throwing lanterns and stuff. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like bards, but, like, it's it's been done. Like, the lovable rogue, right? Mm-hmm. And, like there's just certain stereotypes, like the the antihero, like the the person that wants to be like Wolverine, but in D and D, you know, or the Batman of D and D, you know. I'm just like, look, I'm I just want some new stuff, you know. Right, you know, it's it's, it's really funny. Um, you know, if you can't surprise the DM, at least surprise the other players. Like, uh, there was this one point where I got, um, I was in a duel with another character who knew I was an orc wizard, and I forget what he was playing. It was something like like a like a monk or something. And so he, in order to prevent me from casting, he like rushed in really quick um, and blew his turn just getting in close so that he could attack me next turn. And then I one shot him because I put all my points into strength. (laughs) 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 You think my weapon was magic, but it was actually just surprise. (laughs) My SMB game idea is like a and d stream. I'll tell you about it later. Mm-hmm. yeah so, that'd be cool yeah I, okay but how does that affect like do you think every game developer should play D D? do you think that helps at all with like making games i think it'll definitely help with any um with any developer that's trying to create a game where players have some sort of freedom mm. because it gets you accustomed to the type of bullshit that players will do yeah it also really <laughs> depends on like what kind of D and D you're playing or like what your play group is because I think that people's experience with D and D is going to be really really heavily based off of like what the people around them like about it. I, I think yeah, that, and and how fun the DM is, of course. Yeah, I think that there's like there's naturally a kind of person that gravitates towards D and D and will play for like years and years and years, and those are the kinds of people that tend to like. And then after those years and years and years, they get bored of like playing the same barbarian and they're like, well, what if I play as like a fairy lethal dancer or something like that? And like, they just kind of start doing weird shit, um, which is kind of the essence of creativity. And and I think that um, people that are naturally attracted to that kind of thing are also naturally attracted to, to, to game design. Um, but I also think that like getting into D&D for the first time is a very intimidating process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it is, but like you have things like World20.net 
uh, and uh, fifth edition, which makes it definitely a lot easier than I would say in the past. But um, yeah, I, I used to play like 2.0 and 3.5. So that <laughs> you had to learn, you had to know math and you had to kind of like read a whole bunch of rules and like really understand the mechanics. But I feel like nowadays, uh, especially if you have a good DM that can guide you. But a lot of times you can just throw out everything and just make stuff up. Like obviously what Joseph does. Yeah, you kind of have to when your players are just being some shits. <laughs> like, um, yeah, like one of my friends from the original uh, came campaign that Chromatos was based off of was they they had just met this big bad evil guy that they spent the dungeon getting to, and I had two pages of speech typed out. I get one line in, and then he shoots him in the head, and <laughs> one line in, one of the players just kills the character, and I had to throw the whole two pages out, and then just. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> just move on because that's gone now <laughs> oh, it's rough. Uh... But, but yeah no you pick up a couple of things maybe not not necessarily obvious things and like necessarily um like story building but maybe just storytelling like you you kind of learn what kinds of things make your players cry <laughs> um what kinds of things make your players pay attention when you're dumping exposition? The answer, just, you know, if it's male straight players, then just have a female NPC tell the story and they'll pay attention. Uh, let's see. Um, that's that's actually probably one of the big reasons why Izzy from Chromatos that Ted played is like the, the, the first person uh, that you meet that kind of hooks the attention is that if, if I just kind of kept... When I when I originally had the um, the voice at the beginning that does the questionnaire dump the exposition, people just stop paying attention. They just skip through it all the way. But as soon as Izzy shows up, uh, one of the leading uh, female protagonists, uh, people stop skipping. They just they pay attention because uh, Izzy's cute, and, <laughs> and that's 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 uh, kind of a pretty solid approach with any of the games that I make. Is that if I make somebody really cute. And I put them in the front, and they do all the exposition. Then the player will pay attention. <laughs> yeah, that's why Alistair was my favorite Dragon Age character. He's such a dreamboat. <laughs> I have wait. Uh, I was thinking something else. What uh, I have actually not played uh, Dragon Age. Am I the only one that's played Dragon Age in this call? Uh, I played it. It was whatever. I I helped that developer raise money for a campaign, crowdfunding campaign. But other than that. He has a new studio called Summerfall now. Dragon made... Age? You mean the EA, the Bioware game? Uh, yeah, his name is David Gaiden? So, something like that. Hmm. And he moved to Australia and then ha now has an indie studio in Australia. He was the lead writer of Dragon mm. Age game. And, um, uh, did he leave after Dragon Age 1? Uh, I don't remember which one he left after, but he is also uh, publicly gay as well. And so he brought a lot of like new narrative and new kind of storytelling to like AAA market. And now he's taking that like his skills and making a musical adventure game, uh, which has like Troy Baker and like like uh, Laura Bailey and like all these like A-list people are, are going to be. It's it's really exciting. So I helped them with their crowdfunding campaign. Hmm. So I, I so I that's I met him. <laughs> But I've not played Dragon Age. Sorry, that was long Jesus. Ago. No one's played Dragon. Just like the best RPG, y'all are what? Y'all Dragon Sorry. Age, Divinity Whatever. Original Sin two, my friend. No, I, okay. So I really, <laughs> I, do, I, I, just, I just do not trust your taste at all because you were sent three copies of Catherine and haven't played it. <laughs> to be fair, I, I yeah. <laughs> 
I, no, I, I think that I, I, I have played enough other games that I... Well, okay, fair enough. If you, if you want to judge my taste on anime games, that's fine. But I am very, very knowledgeable on Western RPGs. Um, but what the fuck? It's same, same flip, flip that around. None of y'all have played Dragon Age. Jesus. It's like, it, that spawned a whole franchise. What franchise has Catherine spawned? None. It was fine. It was, you know... Mass it spawned itself as Captain Fullbody too. <laughs> yeah, it spawned. It, it got a, it got a remake. Yeah, I, well, it didn't. Not necessarily a remake. It was like a remastering, I guess. A re-release. No, they, so it's not a it's not a remaster because they added in a whole other arc. Yeah, I, it was kind of like a. It, it would have been in any other medium before the modern day, like an expansion pack. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. I was actually pretty. Don't. Star, I'm looking at you. Do not tell Atlas I said this. I love them so much. I was disappointed by Catherine Fullbody because I had bought the deluxe edition, you know, for like $80 after having binged, you know, Catherine so, 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 so many times and then booting it up and then seeing, you know, what could have, you know, just been DLC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, let's see, the difference was one arc, some quality of life fixes, and some extra cutscenes, if I recall correctly, was like the majority of the changes. And for for me personally, like the only reason that was a letdown is because I played I paid full price for Catherine, and then I paid full price for Full Body, but I didn't get another Catherine's worth on top of the Catherine I had already played and loved. So, yeah. Well, Makes okay. Sense. Let me ask you why why is that game your favorite out of all the games? Um. So that is. Catherine is probably the best example I can think of, of a game that has the game, the art, and the music all in a constant feedback loop, constantly pushing each other up. Like, I can't can't think of many other games that have a gameplay and a cutscene slash art loop that is just so tight. Like, uh, you've played Catherine, uh, Star? Yes. Yeah, so, like... What I love about Catherine is that the story never stops for gameplay, and then gameplay never stops for story, basically. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. That's yeah. like I am like I'm really into environmental narrative um, or like <laughs> mechanical narrative where you're actually the gameplay actually fits into the story. Like that's my favorite game is actually Eco or Ico, however you want. Oh to yeah, say yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the one. Yeah, and so like, there isn't much like mechan like gameplay to it right it's like very puzzle driven but it all is seamlessly told within the story the interactions that you have with that i mean it's, it's a lot more chill than catherine but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah for the for the for the folks that like haven't played catherine basically um it's 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 like a horror dating simulator kind of like sucker for love but you've got um this main character who's caught between two girls and because he's um cheating um, he get these nightmares every night that can kill him. And so you spend the daytime of the game at this bar texting um, the two girls that you're caught between and getting drunk. And then you spend the nights trying to survive the nightmares that are kind of the results of the conflicts that the character experiences during the day. And there's it, it never feels like either the gameplay or the story s- stops for a little bit. Like it never feels like during a cutscene. You can put the controller down, walk away, and come back having not missed anything. And you just follow what the UI tells you to do. Um, and nor does it feel like the gameplay, which, oh, my God. So with, like, a bunch of AAA games, the one thing, my number one pet peeve, 
is when they send you off on like side quests, quests and collectibles and stuff. When there's like this crisis yeah. story happening, so like like um like uh, Spider Man, for instance, is a game I played a while ago. The PS4 Spider Man. Um, I loved what I played. You know, swinging around fighting crime. But what I didn't like was when it made you go on these side quests to collect random backpacks containing random props scattered throughout the city. It's like, oh yeah, that was my favorite part of the Spider-Man movie where he spent an hour and a half finding backpacks. Like, it it, it always subtracts from the game feeling authentic, feeling like a real story when, you know, you're playing Link and you got to go rescue Zelda, but then you spend a half hour fishing, you know? (laughs) Like the Batman games or... Uh, Bethesda games like you can just like okay I don't want to do this anymore and then go off and do something completely different and then come back later yeah with no penalty and yeah exactly yeah, yeah so that that's that's one reason I really like Catherine is because there's never there's there's um there's never that moment anything you do is always directly tied to the very very core main story and it, it 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 manifests like if you if you you know spend time talking to people in the bar, then these people um, when you meet them in the nightmare might survive to the very end. And that's you know that's that's not a side quest. That's part of the main story of trying to survive these nightmares, for instance. And it 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 feels like the story never stops, and it feels like you're involved the whole way through. And that's it's it's really hard for me to find a game that you know pulls that off as well as I think Catherine did. <clears throat> And also, it's really interesting, too, because a lot of games are like what Ted was saying earlier about, like, the power male power fantasy of, like, right. being a soldier and shooting things down. But Catherine is, like, psychological and very mm-hmm. mental. Like, he's not, like, uh, I mean, most of, he's not getting physically hurt, like, in the real world, right? But in his head, he's, uh, like, almost dying. And, it's and, and like, it's a lot of mental anxiety, like, a good representation of mental anxiety that we all go through. So it's a lot more relatable. It's kind of like it reminds me of like Silent Hill too. Yeah. Oh, that's that's that, that's actually a really good point. That's something that um that Eastern that East East games do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, say compared to like Western games, um like where Western games or Western horror will be like there's a guy with a chainsaw that's coming to kill you, and then like uh you know Eastern horror will be like. There's a guy with a chainsaw coming to kill you, but he's your imagination, and it's because of something you did. <laughs> it like like especially Silent Hill, like it's it's it, on a surface level, it's a horror, but it's 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 about the person that's going through Silent Hill every time. Yeah, I um I think that probably the reason I never really got into Catherine is because I wouldn't cheat on my girlfriend, and everyone that likes it is a bad person. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey! Now there is a true ending for staying true to your spouse, Ted. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and that's the one I get every single time. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one's the one that you're cheating with? Is it the blonde or the brunette? The blonde uh, is the one with Catherine. With Catherine. Oh, yeah, they're both got named it. Catherine. Uh, the blonde hair one with the with the t- pigtails is the one that you cheat. Wait, how do you word this? Is the one that you're not cheating engaged with to versus it's the one that oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the know. long hair one you're cheating on. Me... All right, I just looked up pictures. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, like, I, I get it. Like, she's yeah, no, the blonde's pretty yeah, hot. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Star actually had a really good point uh, earlier. With, uh, with the relatability, with it not being a power trip, they actually, you know, they, they really do strip Vincent down to be very small against the nightmares that he faces. You know, they have him run through these nightmares in his boxers while these, like, five-story tall monsters are chasing him. 
and it, it really, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's really a feeling of like powerlessness and powerlessness and fear as opposed to the traditional, you know, this is a self insert to make yourself feel good. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I should play it. I don't know. Let me look at my screen. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. No, I, I have Catherine classic right now. Where's my bigger newer edition. Ugh, it's yeah. Rub it in Ted. Rub it. <laughs> where's, my, where's my fancy edition for the cool kids i am seething with jealousy oh is Catherine classic the only one that's on steam is there not another yeah one? yeah yeah Catherine classic is the one they released right before full body so that you could play it on pc mm, so full body is only on the playstation or something uh i don't know hmm. uh back to talking about you know, the game. Oh, I, yeah, I you made that. a game, right. Yeah, uh, okay, so you have, like, Chromatose you've been working on for a couple of years. How has mm -hmm. your experience been of, like, taking a break from that to, like, work for us? I miss my family so much. <laughs> <laughs> I miss my Chromatose family so much. I miss my babies. <laughs> um, I think it ultimately was for the best because, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I'm, like, so motivated to get back and then just do so much work with my with my with my with my my, my home family um but it was nice also taking a little break because i was able to try a couple of things that i hadn't been able to do with chromatose like the um ted's played the game so he's seen the um the dynamic lighting system mm -hmm. where you can like turn off the lights turn on the lights and you're you're the mouse and various objects can cast a shadow um Lighting is something that I've been fighting with for a long time in Chromatose, and so getting figuring it out here with Sucker for Love, um, you know, t shaved who knows how much time off of the dev cycle for Chromatose figuring out lighting, because as soon as I was able to try something in a completely new environment, I figured it out right away. Would you recommend that to developers that if like they're working on like a a, a very long like dev cycle to to take a break and like do something else? Um, well, I always encourage breaks you know, take resting, although it's counterintuitive, you're trying to get things out as fast as possible. Um, resting ultimately helps your productivity, you know, the next day. Um, I would say that if, if you find yourself in a circumstance like me, where Ted happened to message me while everybody on my team had lost their jobs due to COVID shuttering a bunch of businesses, and all of them were kind of um, unable to, you know, get back to this project until they had you know found a new job and a new place to settle um so i was kind of i was kind of sad unable to really make progress for a couple of weeks and so ted said hey here's a here's a here's a game that takes exactly 10 days to make can you do it um the opportunity was kind of just golden for me so um um if you can afford it i'd say it's a very good idea to uh, try flexing a couple different muscle groups for a little while. And maybe you'll find something new that you can implement back into your original project. Yes. So what you're saying is, is that everyone should take part and buy the DreadX collection. Oh, yeah. yes. Everyone should take part and buy the DreadX collection <laughs> and the DreadX collection too. That would be a good idea. Yeah, I would love that if people did that. <laughs> really good. There's actually something, you know, it's funny that you brought that up because that's something we've talked about a lot less this round of podcasts is um, like when we, like this is something we talked about more um, during the first collection, which was that like when we reached out to everyone, like we, we started doing this because of uh, COVID and because we wanted to be able to employ indie devs 
during COVID, because unfortunately a lot of indie devs, like, they can't afford to have game development be their full-time job, so they, they, they do other stuff. And, like, all those jobs are, like, just, like, straight, straight fucked right now, so. Well, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be a house husband. <laughs> that's, that's, why, that's why I'm working out three hours a day. I just want to get hot enough to basically be able to marry someone that will take care of me forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's kind of nice that, you know, I just do the chores and then I can just develop, mm-hmm. you know, and if, if it's, it's really nice because I can make, oh, I don't know, a game where you have to smooch a tentacle faced horror. And if it flops, it doesn't matter. Hey, if it does really well, you could be, you could be the, the, you can move, I guess you can be the house husband of a slightly larger house. I have a feeling that uh, the opposite is going to happen. I have a feeling that you're going to get a whole new set of fans, and then you're going to have to deal with two groups of uh, fandoms here. Oh, I actually already kind of have links to just, um, well, you guys, fortunately. Thank you. I appreciate the uh, retweets I've been getting to you guys. Um, the um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's really surprising because the number of followers that I've gotten on Twitter from the three posts I've made about Sucker for Love, have already eclipsed the amount of followers I went I got from going to both DreamHack and PAX East. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> Stars was like, "What can I say?" <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, actually true. Like, people do get a bu- bump when they work with us. I mean, that was the whole point was to try to like pool people's yeah. network social their social media accounts. So. No. Yeah. Not yeah, much needed. Good. Yeah, like a lot of our developers here have grown tr- like quite a bit from, you know, because we, it, that's what happens when you collaborate with people. A lot of developers are so used to being solo and uh, are like, don't really collaborate that much. So they, it's kind of surprising when they're, when uh, they don't have to do absolutely everything and somebody's there to handle like marketing and community for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, um, being a house husband is like, um, it, was, it, it was one of the two things that the second being Ted giving me a fantastic prompt for a game to make is one of the two things that lets me just really kind of do whatever I want, no matter how weird. Mm-hmm. And not, I don't, I don't, I'm not, you know, if I, if I, I can make an anime girl that is repulsive at first sight and have her be the front girl for a game that I'm trying to sell and not be like, oh, well, too many people were repulsed by the tentacle face. Now me and my wife starve, you know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. I fortunately don't have that. And so I, I feel like I'm not held back by help. I don't have to, you know, like, you know, leash my creativity so that I can turn profit. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 a, it's like the most ideal development setup I could have possibly asked for. Yeah. That's what we we're here to do. We actually like have talked about like how we want to shake up the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to like make new ways to support developers so that they can actually do what they want to do, uh, because there hasn't really been a horror version of that. Horror developers have just kind of like been on the offskirts of uh, the the rest, like like Five Nights at Freddy's and like other horror games don't get the credit. Uh, I didn't I didn't even hear about Faith. Like like there like people who were into I was into horror games and I heard didn't hear about Faith for like a long time, even though it was so big. And it just like, we just talk about other games, right? All the time, like mm-hmm. other genres, like the Zeldas and uh, like the Hyperlight Drifter and Cuphead and those kind of games. And, and we don't really like give horror the respect that it, it needs. Yeah. Um, so like, I want to change that. Like I want the, the greater, you know, 
people who like indie games to appreciate and not just like have it be for people's niche, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, you guys absolutely did just that, especially with Ted and his first pitch. Like when, when he let me know what the theme was, um, I was really pleasantly surprised by how little, um, well, well, how much control rather I was given over the project. Like <laughs> Ted gave me the prompt is like Lovecraftian. And then I was like, okay, cool. Can we date like Eldritch Horror Girls, Monster Girls in my game? And he's like, yeah, cool. And I was like, it's going <laughs> to look really different from every other game in the collection. Looking at the first collection, like everyone is, you know, the games, the games are like scary in a traditional way. And they're, they, you know, they're, they're dark and they're red. And mine's going to be bright, bright pink with a bunch of cute anime girls running around. Is that okay? He's like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and I was like, all right, fantastic. And um, it ended up in a project that, well, at least Ted has told me that he's very happy with. Yeah, uh, if anyone's ever wondering what it's like to work for us, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like today, our, the, again, like the person that funds us, we had a meeting earlier, and uh, he was just like, we want, we like, we, we're not trying to take cre like creativity away from developers. Like we want them to make what they want to make. We just have to put a disclaimer in front of a certain games, and that's definitely not going to be your game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> sorry, I'm just thinking of, uh, the, what kind of disclaimer we would have to put in front of, uh, uh, the sucker for love. Like, are you afraid of love? And then all the gamers would say yes. So, <laughs> so afraid. Um, I did. I did actually put a content warning in the front of Soccer for Love. I don't know if you've seen the newest build, but like, there's like a, it's like a, like a Japanese programming viewer discretion device screen, and it's like caution: this game contains inadvisable quantities of tentacles. <laughs> That's good. <sighs> <sighs> I feel when you'll never have a craft GF. <laughs> Not with that attitude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh these games Say again? how does how does your wife feel about these games <laughs> she is my quality assurance in every every single bad idea i come up with so beautiful um, yeah she she um she is very supportive she is ultimately the just my second head because uh i come up with a lot of i come up with, with a lot of fucking stupid ideas and then she's the person standing behind me saying don't do that <laughs> that's 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 a bad idea akabaka don't do that and i have to thank probably a lot of the um design choices that um went into both the game and lynetta's design to her taste like just to do a quick example when i was doing a bunch of drafts of lynetta i at one point she had both the tentacles and a regular human mouth and she was like <laughs> that is too much take away the mouth Oh and, man, that, uh, that sounds like that would be pretty bad. Yeah, I, I, well, I was so there's no precedent for 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 a tentacle faced anime girl, and so I was really out in the wild here. <laughs> there was there's no references; it had, it's not done, and so I couldn't look up any examples. So I was just kind of throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks. And thank God my wife is here and supportive and can tell me what sucks and what doesn't because uh, the 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 how polarizing Lynetta looks would have been way more polarizing if it wasn't for her. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. She also tells me which female characters are hot and which aren't. <laughs> See, so that's, that's, it's a collaborative business. That's good. <laughs> Keep it in the family. Keep your Lovecraftian tentacle monster love in the family. 
That's great. <laughs> um, oh, we're going to have to wrap it up, though, because I said we would keep it to the hour, and we're slightly over it, but uh, I think we should probably be wrapping this up. Either of you guys have any uh, final wrap-up questions? Uh, I, I'm, Joseph, do you have any questions for me and Ted? Uh, I asked most of them during the dev cycle. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I, I I have questions to ask about the DreadX collection, but I think most of them are stuff that you can't actually announce publicly yet. Um, maybe I don't know. Like, like is are we expecting a number three? Uh, I think I've talked about the fact that we want to do a number three before, but I can't make any like official statements on like release dates or anything like that. But um, mm. I, I got to say that if if people want to see a volume three, then please buy volume one and two. And um, yeah. Yes. And uh, mm -hmm. that if we do have a number three, uh, I, I, uh, maybe the person that made Frog Fractions would be in it. Cool. Okay, here's my actual final question. Lynetta, Smooch, yay or nah? Oh, for sure. I don't even <laughs> think about it. I'm not... Yeah, like, you keep saying, like, just put a hot anime girl and, like, it's more interesting. And to me, I'm just like, I'm a, I'm a cis woman. I'm, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't really appeal to me. Okay, but what if, okay, so Cthulhu on the body of, uh, like, Jason Momoa. So Jason Momoa with a Cthulhu face. Instead of his beard, it's tentacles. No, but... Oh, my God, yeah. that's, like, a really good untapped market is, like, a hot jacked Cthulhu man. Why haven't oh, we made that water. show? No, that is Shape of Water, Ted. Oh, yeah, that's true. And Dream Daddy, uh, not no, Dream Daddy doesn't have monsters, but no, that's regular um, men. But yeah, no, Shape yeah. of Water definitely killed the box office. So I think that that market has already been found. Yeah, I mean that's that's probably true. I just yeah, I just want to make a shirt with like a Jack Cthulhu on it now. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is just reminding me of uh, that Scooby Doo in the Ghoul School. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the one with like the the mummy girl, the werewolf girl, the Frankenstein ghost girl? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they're all, they're all Oh yeah. my god, have you seen that shirt that Fat Rednecks wear where they say I've got like it's like I've got the body of a god and then it shows Buddha on the back? Jesse, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're a connoisseur of bad shirts that dads wear. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, but like there's like the, the, the whole line of shirts of like reveling in your like out of shapeness. Like, you know, like, oh, I mean, I like, uh, I, why have a six pack when you can have a full keg? Blah, 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 blah. I'm so fat. I'm going to die soon. And uh, I don't want to make life changes. Um, a really huge dog that wears. Oh, Jesse's cutting out again. I think he's talking about the big dog shirts, though. Yep. But he's gone. And he's gone. Anyways. Uh, we didn't hear his answer if he'd smooch uh, Lynetta. Yeah. He definitely would. He's very lonely. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, he would. Um, no, but I want to, sure, this says, I have the body of a god, and then it shows Cthulhu, but he's, like, jacked. That'd be good. That would, like, ever, like, make no sense. Oh, uh, you'd sell so many of those. What were those, uh, what were those fitness, uh, Lovecraftian puns again? Oh, god, yeah, yeah, uh, god, fuck. Like, like, Necrosquaticon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the oh. mountains of Chadness? Or, or the, oh. the deep ones in reference to squats? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cthulhu huge. Uh, yeah. God, I forgot. I, oh, I also want a free video game from winning the competition. Fuck, I totally forgot about that. Back in the days when I would just tweet things randomly. 
Yeah, I don't allow him to do that anymore, folks. She does not. She does He's not like, let I me. Crack, I cracked the whip on Ted. So. No. <laughs> this is, I mean, I, everyone needs someone that's better than them at the things that they are, like, doing to, like, tell them what is good and what's not and just to check their ego with it, so... Okay, no, seriously, we're going to start going on a rant again. Um, but anyways, uh, I, I, so I'm going to wrap it up here, but I just want to let everyone know that you can get the DreadX Collection uh, Volume 2 soon in uh, August. Uh, we haven't launched the official date yet, but you know, if you want to find out more about the DreadX Collection and join a really great positive horror community, you can always join our Discord. Um, I don't think our Discord is currently, you can just like search for it or something. How, does that, how do you do that, Star? How to do what? Sorry. Make you make your Discord searchable. Uh, uh, like okay. So I was actually going to apply for Discord partnerships, and they're clo currently closed. So we can't we can't even apply. But we can spend money on Nitro, like a Nitro boost, and then have it that way. Yeah, let's do that. We have money. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> so you can find us on Discord Nitrogen, and uh, or Nitrous. It's, are they different? They must be. Anyways. <laughs> uh so uh you can find us on discord whippets and uh they then our twitter uh dread xp and uh then buy our game please when it comes out in august yeah. yeah you can always find more information about the new podcasts whenever we have a new announcement the big trailer that's going up you can always find that on dreadxp.com dreadxp.com is also going to be a great source for all of your indie stuff we've had a really really big concerted effort to make sure that we're delivering good quality indie content uh, news coverage and things like that because we want to be able to give back to the horror creators, the little guy, and not just be chasing the big names like Silent Hill. Although, we'll, like you know, if Silent Hill comes out, we'll also report on that. But you know, uh, so anyways, thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in. It was great being able to chat with you, Joseph. Thank you so much, and uh, you can yeah, check out what. Uh, just thanks for having me, yeah. Oh, yeah, no problem. And then you can check out Sucker for Love when it comes out as part of the DreadX Collection Volume 2 in August, which the release date will be coming soon. Thank you all, and uh, bye! Bye. Later. It's fucking nice out. Just trying to chill, smoke some loud, feel me? I got loud. Hit my line. Either DM me or hit my line, bro. I got loud. I'm trying to smoke I got loud. It's fucking nice out. I got loud. It's fucking nice out.